dedication, discipline, passion, sacrifice, rise and rise again. Welcome to Any Given Chance. Boom. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Any Given Chance podcast. Got a special guest for us today, but before we jump into then, we have to give our sponsors a pump up. Squad Athletica, SQD Athletica on Instagram. Go check them out. They've got everything you need. They've got your running shorts, your yoga pants. I keep saying it. Their training shirts are the business. Rivaling a Nike, rivaling Under Armour. Black Rose Barbers, the boys over there, go see a cut on Friday. Make you feel fresh and fit. A million dollars walking out of there. And our newest one to join the team, Ultra Bet, Australia's own bookmaker. That's right. Australian owned and operated. None of this overseas business. So we're keeping the money in the industry. And with their help, we're able to sponsor athletes. I said this on the podcast many times. All you have to do is sign up through our link and we get a little cash to spend on athletes in the background to help them achieve their dreams. Now, without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I could bring you an expert for the first time ever. <laughs> Miss Nikki Taylor, how are you? I'm really excited. There we go. Thank you. So for everyone out there being actually pushed on to you, because you help out the boys, you help out the Nantes brothers with their fighting and their nutrition. And the one thing that Joshy said on this podcast straight up was, yeah, Nikki helps us and it's changed my life. So without further ado, just sort of tell everyone who you are and what your expertise is. Obviously, I'm Nikki and I have started quite a few. I've started with women, working with women initially. And then I actually started working with Jazzy Parr. And she was the first one who actually said to me, why are you not working with fighters? This stuff is amazing because I was doing her strength and conditioning and helping her with some other stuff. And so then I just sort of started working with the athletes. I'd worked with bodybuilders in the past. I'd worked with jockeys. So I'd worked a lot with people in weight dependent sports. So I understood that I'd done bodybuilding myself. So I understood it from that journey as well. I actually worked in the racehorse industry for about four or five years. So I was working quite closely with jockeys and understood they're a unique bunch as well. And I understood like where they were coming from and what struggles that they had to go through. So just bringing that into the fighting world, but I still have that passion for helping everyday people. So what I've loved is that I'm now working with a lot of combat athletes, but then their girlfriends and their wives and their friends and their mums are all starting to come to me as well. So now I get to still work in these two areas that I'm super passionate about, working with the blood work, gut health, mind, body, spirit. So it's a very holistic approach to getting somebody to be the best version of themselves. Yeah. I remember, and one thing that it sits in my memory is someone said to me, everyone's out here. And I just said it on Tommy's podcast as well. Everyone's out here training until they spew. Everyone's out here lifting as much weight as they can at the elite level. You think you're working hard, that person's working. Just They're not sleeping. They're doing all that. The way you can make gains and the way you get your foot in front and be better than your competition next beside is get everything else in your life in line. And that's relationships, that's your food, that's your sleep, your gut microbiome, which connects and makes your mind, thought, body, and soul all in line. That is how you get ahead because everyone else is doing the hard training. Everyone else is getting up there. Now you might have a little offset day or a fight with a, your girlfriend or something like that, or your wife or something like that. And then your training is affected the next day because that's not in line. That's how you win. That's those one percenters. Exactly. And I always say to people like, we have a stress bucket. The body has a stress bucket. It doesn't go, oh, when I'm training, when I'm going for a run or going to the gym or 
my boxing training, that's fun and it's good for me. So it's going to go over here in this special bucket. And then my fight with my partner or my finances or my relationships is bad stress. It's going in this bucket. No, the body puts it all in one bucket. You know, if you don't have those other things lined up, like your deep connections with people and your relationship and your money, like finances is a huge one. Like I actually talked to people about this because it was a struggle for me. So I went on a huge journey of trying to figure out my relationship with money. Because if you're busy thinking, how the hell am I going to pay my rent? How the hell am I going to buy the food and the supplements and the training and blah, 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 blah? How are you supposed to be fully 100% focusing on being your best self? Like it's very difficult. So it's like really understanding and having somebody in your corner that's going to help you problem solve these things and get into the right state of mind so that then you can eat well and train well and be the best version of yourself. That's so good. And one thing that comes to mind with what you just said there was your body doesn't know the difference between physical stress and mental stress. And I learned that firsthand. I knew it was coming. I was sitting here stressing about work. We were overloaded through COVID period. It just wasn't working. I was the right at my peak fitness and I'd started to taper back, not by choice. I was still trying to train, but I had all this other stress in my life. I sat here one day and I had enough of it. I was like, I'm not doing this. I'm going surfing. It's pumping. See you later. Off we go. Grab me, brother. Ring me, brother. Go, let's go to Stratty. It's pumping. I just bought a new jet ski. It wasn't new. It was secondhand. Here's a good story too. And we said, oh, let's just go out Broad Beach first because there's no one out there that's pumping it. He was in sync. He was getting waves. He was three or four and I was just wasn't there. And I thought, I'm just going to throw myself over the falls just so I can get in sync with the ocean. Lo and behold, I didn't need to do that. A set popped up. It was perfect. It was left a million times. Grabbed me rail, pulled in, stuck my hand in the wave to slow down and pop, bicep, gone. Now, I hadn't done any bicep work. I hadn't done any extra running. I'd done my normal lifts. It was understood now that was the straw that my body was telling me through different stress levels. 100%. And it's funny, I literally did a post like an hour before I got here about injuries and how there's like two different types of injuries you can have. There's acute and there's chronic. And acute is usually like you can't avoid it, you know, especially when in the terms of I was posting for my combat athletes, they're going to obviously get acute injuries from trauma and it's part and parcel of the game. But chronic injuries is when, you know, there's like stuff coming up constantly. You've always got a bit of a niggle or you've always got a bit of a stomach ache or you've always got, you know, your shoulders always kind of hurting and you can't quite put your finger on it. And these are red flags from your body. Like your body's getting overloaded somewhere and it's getting out of homeostasis. So you need to bring it back in. And that's where the lifestyle stuff comes into. Yes, looking at blood work is so amazing and it's the foundation to start from. But then from there, looking at all the different symptoms that your body is projecting, and that can come from things like trauma or relationships, all that stress, like the body doesn't summate stress. It puts it all in one place. So your training might be perfect. It might be on point and your food, you're nailing it but yet you've still got all these injuries and stuff. Well, what else is going on in your life? So it's like looking at all of those things and finding a way to balance it out. Yeah. Seven shades of wind coming at me. Everything <laughs> you just said, there, I was like, yeah, yes, yes, yeah, yeah, stop. Yeah. Well, DM me after the podcast. Yeah, that's right. Um, so let's go back to uh, the first one. What was the first thing you just said in that sentence? Whole genus? Oh, homeostasis. Homeostasis. Yeah. So Elaborate. That's, where the, that's where the body is just set point. So that's where everything is functioning well and you feel amazing and everything's just working. When something starts to go a little left of field, 
that's starting to push the body out of homeostasis. So that could be too much stress. It could be not enough sleep. It could be poor nutrition. And this is something that I'm actually really passionate about and something that I've noticed not only just with athletes, but with the general population is this like a philosophy almost of like, I need to look, lose weight and look good. So I'll just eat less. So this is chronic under eating going. I can have clients come to me that are really overweight, but when I actually look at the food that they eat, they don't eat enough. They're not actually nourishing their bodies. And this is then when you start to get injuries and you get sick all the time and stuff like that. Usually my first protocol is like, show me what you're eating. How much food are you getting? For some people, especially the ones that are overweight, they constantly under eating and then having periods of binge eating. No one binge eats on broccoli and red meat, right? Like people are going to binge eat on garbage. They're still undernourished, even though they're overweight. And then athletes, I mean, weight dependent sports in particular is just shocking for eating disorders and a really skewed idea of what is healthy. And a lot of athletes in particular are like terrified of carbs because we've projected this thing through magazines and social media that carbs is going to make you fat and stuff and most of them under eat it and then wonder why they get sick all the time. So Yeah, there's definitely pinpoints in that as well. And you say the jockeys that you've worked with them, the rinse and repeat that they do on their bodies oh. is insane. Insane. And especially the bigger ones sitting at 60 kilos who want to ride at 56 or the 58s at 56 or the, it's just, and, but it doesn't stop there when they're 56, they want to ride at 54. Yeah, It's like they're always consistently battling their body to have no magnesium, no sodium, no nothing, no carbohydrates. And, and then they ride every weekend. Like it's oh. one thing to look at, you know, maybe combat athletes who fight four to seven times a year max, maybe. But a jockey, they could be out there every single weekend. Sometimes they might ride consecutive days as well. And a lot of them, because they don't have the money and the finances to back themselves, especially if they're at that sort of more of an amateur level, they don't have any professional help. So mm. they're listening to their mates. They're maybe Googling stuff and YouTubing stuff. And there's a like bro culture that has like eat like this and then you can make weight. Yeah, we had Jag J- Gutham and Chester on here. And the first podcast we did with him a couple of years ago, exactly that. Was, what, are, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I'll have a Diet Coke here and a Red Bull here. And I yeah. was like, what are you? Anyway, I got him onto the animal sort of carnivore carbohydrates through fruits and all that and changed his life. He sits comfortable down there. He got ripped up. Is then he wasn't feeling like shit. He still needs to tweak it and look at it. Like by no means am I you or a nutritionist, but you could see the immediate difference in his body by feeding it nutritional food and then just altering your training. You don't need to do too many weights because you know, you're eating that much protein or that sort of thing. You'll build muscle. You'll be too heavy and you'll be trying to do that again. But finding that happy medium yeah. for jockeys. We'll go back to, uh, I know we went on a bit of a tangent then there. <laughs> yeah. So uh, hemothermia, say it again for me. Homeostasis. Homeostasis. <laughs> I'm so bad with that thing. I'm really good with numbers, words, I think. That's our normal state, is it? That's where we sit. That's where we're in our happy zone. That's where yes. everything's going. What do you know with the everyday person before we go into the athletes? What do you normally see that they're doing wrong straight out of the gate? Is it work? Is it fine? What's the biggest one that you see? It'd definitely be the under eating. Okay. That would be like number one is I usually have to, especially with women, but I'm actually seeing this a lot with men now too, is when I look at the food that they're eating, they're drastically under eating. And one of the things that they're drastically under eating is protein. So that's 
I say to everyone, like you just got to get the basics right to be healthy. And one of them is if you just increase your protein intake, and I'm talking like your good proteins, like your red meat, chicken, turkey, pork, fish, like whatever. We're talking wild caught, organic grass feed yeah, as well, yeah. right? Not, not, not the uh, stuff. Yeah, not the the pigs from Coles that have the tumors cut out oh of the legs before God. they serve them up for six dollars ninety nine. Don't buy your meat from Coles. No, don't, don't. <laughs> yeah, so if you just change that one thing, it can literally even just completely change your body composition because not only is it more satiating and it's the building blocks of life. Like we can get away with not eating carbs, we can get away with not eating fat to a degree. You can't get away with not eating protein. So if you just change that one thing, just think to yourself: oh, instead of denying myself this and this, which is what we normally do. Oh, Nikki, stop eating so much chocolate. Stop eating cake. Stop eating this. Flip it and go, just eat more protein because those other things will actually naturally drop off because you will be satiated. You'll feel full. You'll have more energy because that is the thing that most people under eat. What about, I had Hannah, she's a genetics coach on here and she does like the body type. So we measure our jaws, we measure our size, like, and what Ellie might be, she might be a sensor is completely different to my sort of body build, which is a guardian. So she needs to eat six times a day where for me, if I try and match her or do that, I'm bloated, I'm full, it doesn't work for me. You know, mm. the, the one meal a day or when I'm sitting here doing a lot of this, completely different when I'm working, but those different states as well through different people. Yeah. It's just like our diets and that are completely different. Do you see a lot of that? Or like, it's not just this one sort of approach you sort of get to say, oh, yeah, that person needs more protein, less carbs, and he feels better and it works well. Yeah. Do you see so much Definitely, but person? what I actually see both in other people and I've experienced in myself is I had this idea of, okay, I need to eat this way. It makes me feel best. But then my lifestyle changed. My exercise increased. I do uh, a different type of exercise. Now my diet is different. Yes. So when I was bodybuilding, yes, eating six times a day fitted me and my lifestyle and my age at that time. But if I eat like that now, it messes with my blood sugar. I don't have enough time. My body is constantly being flooded with insulin because I don't have enough time between meals for it just to like stop. Yeah. And so then I was constantly on this grazing thing. And then that's when the binge eating would come in because I would just be constantly craving sugar. And now I find that if I eat less and I eat more nutritiously, then I'm satiated for longer and my blood sugar isn't all over the place and I don't have those massive sugar cravings anymore because that's usually what trips most of us up yeah. is getting on that blood sugar roller coaster. So I think like from a coach's point of view, it's about understanding how each person is different. And so it usually takes you a little while to start to understand them, but then also be flexible. You can't have like a stagnant way of going, oh, this person needs to eat like this because then they get older or their lifestyle changes or their training changes and you have to adapt and you have to be able to see relatively quickly that's not working anymore so we need to change it. But for me, the basics always come down to just eat real food. Like mm. you can't go too wrong if you can hunt, gather or fish it. You're not going to be too far off the mark yeah. anyway. Yeah, that's what I, I always say. Like if I need to refine or I'm off, off the rails and it's usually when I'm, I'm stressed and we'll talk about this right now. But if as soon as I go to stress, I branch out of the plant and the meat and I start adding in, this feels good. This is a dopamine response. Bang, bang. And then next minute, it's overeating. So like where Ellie can consume 400 calories in her sitting, I could consume 4,000. It's insane. But just that stop button. And just quickly, I'll branch off because I, I don't know too much about them. But is that what those new 
sort of things that are all through the Gold Coast. Needles, the stop the hunger sort of feeling. They're talking about it all over the internet now. Oh, it's bad. No, I mean, I so it I actually, yeah, it's like an injection and it promotes. I'm scared already. <laughs> yeah, it tricks your brain into feeling that full. Oh. Do you know what I'm thinking of? See, what happens is, for example, when you eat processed foods, so like you have a bag of chips or I don't know, whatever, processed food, right? If you eat ultra processed food, it messes with your hormones, ghrelin and leptin. And those are your hunger and fullness yes. hormones, right? So what happens is like you wouldn't sit there and eat five big potatoes, just eat them, but you'll sit there and you could just eat potato chips forever till somebody actually says, look, mate, Wait, what stop. are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> because of the trans fats and the chemicals and everything else, it actually messes with those hormones and then you can't stop. And so your ghrelin is your fullness, I believe, from memory, and then leptin is your hunger or vice versa. Yeah. So I think that's now. what those, those yeah, needles. Yeah, so that's yeah. what I'm thinking of is that people are always trying to hack it. Like people are always trying to give me a pill to lose weight, give me an injection to stop me feeling hungry. But mm. it's so much more complex than that. Sometimes hunger is not for food. Like, yes, sometimes maybe your blood sugar's out of whack or your stress or your cortisol's out of whack, which then floods your body with insulin, which then makes you want to eat sugar. Like stress, lack of sleep, all of those things are going to make you crave the wrong kinds of foods and make you hungrier. But also there's the deeper things. Like if we haven't dealt with our unresolved trauma and our inner child wounds, and I know this is getting really deep, but if you don't deal with those, you're going to go and fill them and distract yourself with other stuff. So for me personally, my experience and why I got into this area in the first place is because I would just sit on the couch after under eating all week and mindlessly shove food in my face while watching TV because I was distracting myself from the actual feelings that were coming up because they were uncomfortable. And I'm like, I don't want to feel this. Not consciously, it's very subconscious if you're not aware of it, but that was what was happening. And the more that I've been able to heal myself and face the things that I didn't want to face and heal all those parts of me, because like we were all children and we've all got some form of either trauma or stories from when we were kids. If you heal all that stuff, you no longer need to stick alcohol in there or food or drugs or social media or whatever it is that you're numbing yourself down with. And so when we talk about let's get an injection to stop ourselves eating so much food, yeah, that's wonderful. But do you really think that's going to help you become the very best, very healthiest version of yourself? Yeah. You're just trying to skip the journey to just look great. To understand yeah. that. And if you are speaking about 90% of people are protein deficient, yeah. if you're skipping all those meals all the way to the end, you're not eating four steaks and two chickens at the end there. You're just eating a crappy little meal, which is you're going to be massively malnutrition and protein deficient straight away. And then what day. happens from this is like, if you're constantly undernourished, you can, that's when you can, you know, end up with gut issues and gut dysbiosis. And a lot of athletes and even just people who have a stressful life end up with a lot of gut permeability. And in my experience, I'm really seeing a lot of anxiety and depression that is resulting from poor gut health. Yes. So people are thinking, oh my God, I'm just such an anxious person. Like people talk about it now almost like a you know, badge of honor. Oh my God, yes, I have so much anxiety. And I'm not saying that to diminish it because I've experienced it myself and still do at times, but you have to nail the basics. You can't go to a doctor and get a pill for anxiety if you don't get enough sunshine and you don't get enough sleep and you don't have great connections with people and you're putting toxins all over your body in the form of deodorants and 
toxins in the atmosphere and you've got to nail the basics and then from there go, oh, I'm still anxious. So maybe there's a cause. Like you're not broken. There's nothing wrong with you. But like I said, your body's out of homeostasis. So you've got to get the body right first and then everything else can follow on. And it's so much easier then to go, okay, I'm going to heal my other crap that I need to heal in a deeper work. But if you get your body right first, it's going to make everything else just so much easier as well. Yeah. It doesn't that align like everything in lines one plus one. It just keeps adding up. If that's in line, that'll take it. It's like a domino effect, isn't it? 100%, just there yeah. we go. And once you're on that roll, it's, it's a great role to be on, yeah. you know? And then once you start standing the dominoes up, it's like, you know, you're coming back the other way. It's, it's really hard to regain that momentum because you've got to actually skip all the ones that are already down to get back up into where they were yeah. to keep ticking. Let's bring in stress, stress to food. So I'm eating the same, exactly the same things that you prescribed or what the crap that I'm eating normally, throw in a, a stressful lifestyle on that. Does that affect where your body stores fat? Does that affect your moods and everything within your, what you're doing day to day, essentially? You know, you could be perfect athlete eating these foods, no stress, getting the results. Perfect athlete eating these foods, massively stressed outside of life. Do those set you on two different paths? 100%, definitely, because the stress is releasing hormones and chemicals in your body that the non-stressed person is not getting or the person who's maybe only got their training stress but the rest of their life is very fulfilling. I definitely have seen with some athletes, particularly the female ones, I think men hide it a lot more, but the female ones will be like, oh, you know, they'll come to you because they're struggling to lose weight and they'll be like, I don't understand why I can't lose weight I'm doing all the right things. I exercise this amount of times a day and I'm eating this food and it's still not moving and they're very perplexed and very frustrated about it. And it is, it's like understanding that you just have to stop. Like sometimes, like you were talking about how you went out surfing, it reminded me that, you know, sometimes you have to create space. So sometimes you're doing too much. So you just have to back off that stress a little bit because your stress bucket's overfilling. It's that stress bucket analogy again, right? Mm. Like if you are not getting the results you want and you're moody and you can't sleep properly, your sleep's starting to get really crap and all of that, your bucket is overflowing. And so there are all sorts of chemicals and you know reactions happening inside your body that wouldn't be happening if you weren't that stressed, if your stress bucket was like half full. And then does that like in turn work against your body where it stores things or, or your insulin levels or your sugar level? Like how, how does it work through yeah, that? Yeah, look, I think especially with like your insulin, especially when the sleep component becomes involved as well yeah. and then it really messes it up because when you don't get enough sleep, the cortisol and insulin levels are sort of out of whack. When you wake up in the morning, then with the sunshine, your cortisol should rise and then later in the day it starts to dip down. But if you're just like really stressed all the time, it becomes almost like this drip feed of cortisol just constantly being drip fed. So there's no natural peak and high. And then mm. this can have an effect on your insulin, which then affects your appetite, which then affects. I do see it affecting the way that people store fat, but then this can also be due to hormones as well. You know, there's other hormones that become involved, which will dictate where it's- Where it goes. Where it goes, yeah. yeah. Isn't that weird? Like us growing up, we didn't know any of this. I can guarantee right now, my rugby league career, once I got to 18, when I went back to it, was eat food, drink all this protein crap, which was mixed in who knows how yeah, way, yeah. and just jam this into you and eat, 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 eat. And that was it. There was no understanding of you're working too much and you're stressed and you're trying to eat this and that's why you're breaking down in footy. 
And now it's like an understanding that you need to have this going to be a professional athlete or even in day-to-day life. Like people don't understand like how much stress they actually carry. And if you're not, especially financially, you said that just before, Yeah. where's this bill going to come from? Where's it? It's like we're always chasing the April. And even within my companies now, like I'm financially well off, I'm by no means a millionaire, but I've got enough backed up for a rainy day, but it always seems like I'm still stressed. Like it's never ahead and I just feel like time is getting away. And is there ever going to be a time where, how did you fix that? Like your relationship with money? So I'm definitely not going to say my relationship with money is fixed. Okay. Still a work in progress 100%, but I definitely feel like I'm in a happier place and I can see where I've gone wrong and how I'm going to fix that. And I think trusting and knowing that it's coming to you, like I, I am a firm believer and this is, we've been talking very left brain, but just to go right brain for a second, I'm a very firm believer in your thoughts create your life. So everything, even this podcast, at one point you woke up one day and it was just a thought in your head and now it's real. It's a thing. People can listen to it. People are turning up. I'm sitting here talking to you. It's a thing. And so everything that you see in the world was once upon a time just a thought in someone's head. So if your thought in your head is, I've never got enough, I've never got enough, I've never got enough, how are you supposed to create enough? When is enough enough? And I think sometimes just stopping (laughs) by blowing your head off. Boy, we went right brain. (laughs) Yeah. Continues. So I think sometimes just stopping, and this is a daily practice for me, is stopping and being grateful for where you're at because that creates the thought that I have enough. Yeah. I am enough. Like just being born makes you enough. That's it. Just being born, you are enough. And so if we're constantly going, I'll be happy when, I'll be happy when I lose weight, I'll be happy when I have this much money, I'll be happy when I've got kids, I'll be happy when, that thing is always outside of you and in front of you and away from you, no matter what. But if you sit here and you take stock every single day of where you're at, you can stop and be really grateful for where you're at right now and create the thought that I have enough, I have everything that I want, this life I've created for me is just so amazing. And it doesn't mean that you then stop wanting more. You're still allowed to want more. You're still allowed to push yourself and strive for more. But whilst you're striving for more, you're like, oh my God, my life is so good. Oh my God, my body is amazing. Like I literally had this conversation with some girls this morning And just, you know, they were saying, oh my God, I'm so fat. And they were laughing about it. And I just sort of stopped and I thought, I'm not going to laugh along with you because it's not funny. You're beautiful, girl. You're so beautiful, but you're sitting there telling yourself you're fat. And I said to them, you're allowed to love where you're at right now and really appreciate where you're at right now while striving to be a better version of yourself. I think that's where people get it mixed up. Mm -hmm. And especially with uh, diving down the fat shaming and all that, people saying, I love myself here, I love that, and yet they're not striving to be better. They are going and jamming six McDonald's burgers and drinking all weekend and all that, and then coming back and going, I love myself. I love." I don't subscribe to that That's the wrong approach. You're allowed to love yourself here, but you need to be on a path to continue to get better. Isn't that weird? Because as soon as you said that, first thing comes to my head, I'm so happy in a hut with a surfboard, with a backpack full of clothes in Indo with my family or in Hawaii when we go there and travel, much more than I am here with the business and the money and the, and the striving, and the buying properties and doing all that. Like To have nothing and reset yeah. and go back is my happy zone. But you can Why? also bring that same feeling into this, right? Yeah. Like you can really 
honestly cultivate that same feeling. So I walked into your house and I was like, my God, this place is amazing. You should be waking up every day and feeling that. And you can bring that same feeling that you love when you're on holiday with your family in Hawaii. And you can bring it while you sit in your backyard and go, God, look what I created. This was a thought in my mind. I created this. My family gets to enjoy this. My friends come over and they get to enjoy it. This is phenomenal. And you can create that same feeling. And the more that you have that feeling, the more you're going to bring that stuff into your life. But if you're sitting in your home and sitting, you know, doing your business going, oh my God, it's never enough. It's never enough. And this is stressful and blah, blah, blah. Well, then you're just going to get more of that because that's what you're focusing on. Yes. Does that make sense? It does. And yeah. and I do that maybe because I'm so, I'm not poor with time management. I'm time poor because I am doing a million things. It's insane. I shouldn't be doing as much as I do. I should really cut back. Sometimes when you feel like you just don't have enough time and you're hustle, 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 actually stopping and doing what I was saying, like feeling gratitude, maybe meditating, just going to the beach, going for a surf, even though you think you're busy, it creates more space. It actually creates more space and you'll find that you'll get things done more easily and more quickly by creating that space for yourself. Whereas sometimes we're just hustling so hard that it just gets busier and busier and busier. It's insane. Yeah. It's busier. And I've got it. It came back okay. to me. <laughs> we're talking about, you know, you're putting it out there to the universe and it eventually provides. If you think it and see it, it happens. I don't know how many times, I don't know why I don't get stressed when, say, there wasn't any work coming in the door. Because I'd go, hey, universe, or whoever you speak to, I know that's a bit ooey gooey for everyone listening at home, but I just, I'd ask it. I'd say, hey, universe, I need some jobs. I need some work. Next week, it's getting pretty desperate. Two days. Six hours later, 12 hours later, the phone would ring. Oh, we're desperate to get you here on this job. It sits in my brain that every time I'd try to work harder at something or push, 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 sometimes I'd get further away. And you other know, times- Do you know why? This is just my take on it is that when you're pushing and you have that like desperation, it's actually resistance because it's coming from a place of lack. You know, there's a part of you that thinks, oh, there's not enough or I've got to do this and I've got to get this thing that I'm after, whether it's money or a business or a new deal or whatever, because I don't have it now. Whereas when you're just surrendering a little bit, it's because you're not coming from a place of lack. You're like, there's heaps of work out there. I've just got to it's just got to come to me. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes you might get a hit of inspiration or intuition where you're like, oh, I should call that person or I should do something. This is not about going, hey, universe, I want a million dollars and then sitting on your ass in front of Netflix. Yeah. You know, yes. this is about putting it out there and trusting that it's going to come, but then following the actions that you feel inspired to take Correct. to make it yeah. happen. Well, I always yeah. had an ad out or I always had feelers out or something like that. But you're right. When I got to that and I'd work like a week and a half in that lack, in that resistance, calling everyone, doing all that. And then when I'd go, it'll come and it, it would come. And it's so, it's so obvious in parts of our lives, but we don't take the time to stop and go, that's real. What just happened then real? If I have that mindset and I chase it or I ask for it or I think about it, like you said, a thought, and now this is real. We don't sit down and, and acknowledge that yeah. really. I guarantee you a lot of people don't do yeah. that. Is that one of the strengths that you've found or is that one of the strengths that you can see? Or? I And I can definitely see it in other people and when I'm coaching them and this is like a thing that we'll just work on as well as doing all the left brain stuff, you know, like working on the nutrition and the bloods and blah, blah, blah. But this is part of it. Like you said, this comes back to stress, you know, like if you 
let go of the resistance and you make space for yourself and you're grateful. Like if I get a free coffee, I will sit there and be like, oh my God, I just got a free coffee. And I'll be so happy that someone gave me a free coffee. You know, it's like really appreciating every moment. But so many of us skip over that. And then we're like, I never get anything. I'm not lucky. But you forgot all the other little stuff. And so the more that you appreciate all the little things that come your way, you know, like I appreciate the people I've met and the friends that I've made. And even when I'm training down, you know, with the boys and stuff, like we've got our little women's boxing group down at the gym now and stuff. And I always feel so much gratitude. Like I hop in my car and before I drive off, people are probably wondering why I sit in my car so much. But I'm sitting there and I'm just like, oh my God, that was so good. Like those connections and that pushing myself and it's being grateful because you create space and then more of what you want it just seems to flow in a lot more easily without the stress involved. So for people who are feeling really stressed about money in particular, I would just say, take your foot off the accelerator for a minute. Like just take a moment to take stock of where you're at, because I bet your past self would be absolutely stoked with where you're at now. Yes. Yeah. 17 year old me borrowing 50 bucks off dad because I'm, I'm out of fuel would love where I'm at right now. Yeah. Absolutely love it. And it's my dream life. It honestly is. I never thought I'd own a home. Not that we came from nothing. I had a great upbringing, but we're beach shack family. And that's where, like I said, that's where I'm at my happiness. I'm happy. yeah. But to be in this position now and where I am, but it's also funny you speak about you're celebrating the small wins, like with Joshy or training with the boys and you're like, how good was that? I don't do that. Maybe because of like a part of what I do is a sort of a professional punter as well. So we have that win aspect in there. But if someone gave me a free coffee or I win the meat tray, it is the best thing in my whole entire And we've had like big wins before, like not going down that road where you treat it as a business as well. It's like just bookwork, Excel spreadsheets, everything like that. So it's a business. But to win on a meat tray is much more appreciative than to have a big win on the punt. Yeah. It's so weird. But you should appreciate both. I actually say this to my athletes. I've noticed especially with combat athletes, they've got this mentality of, cool, I've won, back to the grindstone, right? Yes. And then it's very quick that next day they're back training or they might have one day off back training, looking to the next fight. Don't get caught up in the win. You're only as good as your last fight, blah, blah, blah. But I always say to them, I'm like, actually stop and take a moment to soak that up. Like really soak it up. Like really appreciate it because you worked for that. You earned that. That wasn't handed to you. You worked for that. You wanted it. You visualized it. All my athletes do visualization. You know, sit there, do your meditations, visualize it. You go through your entire fight day from you walk into the venue and you're sitting down waiting and then you're warming up and you get your hands wrapped and you walk out and then you do your fight and you visualize the bits that were hard too so you can figure out how you're going to get out of them. It's all of that. And then if you win, you worked for that. So yes, you're going to go back and train. That's fine. But also take a moment to be like, oh my God, that feels so good because one day it will be over. One day your career will be finished and maybe you'll be a coach and helping other people. But don't you want to just really enjoy the moment? Don't you really want to soak it up? Some of them don't have that. Hey, they have, this is where I need to get to and there's no celebrating until I'm world champion. Yeah. They have that. Full on mentality. They're missing the fun along oh, the way. Along, you can look, still be world champion if you celebrate and really appreciate yeah. that oh, I worked really hard for Combat this. sport is exactly like rugby league different because you basically celebrate right at, you've got a team song. Yeah. The yes. best thing about rugby league, the best, is being in the sheds after the game winning, yeah. 
and cheering up your song. So the, the opposition sitting in the other shed just there <laughs> so can, hear can hear it as it. loud as, and then chugging a beer or doing something after. I reckon fighters need a song. Like when they win, maybe they should do a walk out song. And oh, we should, and they should 100%. sing on the way out. Because a, a lot of times they're like, we're beaten up and brawn, but we don't notice that with, as rugby league players for another two hours after it. And yeah. us fighters would be the same. They're on a massive high. But back in that sheds, after the sheds, high five, camera's gone, everyone's out, there's no cheering. I'd sit there and lap it up if I was a fighter. I'd go jump yeah. in the crowd. I wouldn't even go back to the sheds for half an hour. I'd yeah. watch the next fight with everyone, yeah. if, it, if unless you're in the main fight, of course. I find that as well. And I spoke to Joshy and that. I was like, do you celebrate your wins? He goes, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not there. Because I spoke about Israel Adesanya, yeah. the best UFC fighter. He celebrates everything. He, ta- he goes, different country. Every time he wins, see you later. He's off to eat. He yeah. celebrates by going three or four. Then he comes back and gets back to work. So yeah. he's got that figured out, like how to enjoy the moment because you are a long time retired and we can solve the world problems in our armchairs on podcasts for the rest of our lives. Yeah. But we cannot be professional fighters winning world championships. We cannot be professional rugby league players once our sporting career is over. Yeah. I always tell people like that, just breathe. Like look what you've created. You know, suck it in. And I need to take my own advice sometimes because I don't sit here and t- do that. I tell them people to do that because I can see that's what they should be doing. Don't miss out. Maybe because I didn't do that on certain situations in my life. Yeah, it's weird how yeah, those fighters and those athletes, they just don't. It's, yeah, it's just, we're working on that. That's yeah. a work in progress, a lot of my athletes. But I think you can take that same thing if, you, if you're listening to this and you're not an elite athlete. You can take that. Well, I'm not an elite athlete. But I still take that mentality. Like I said, it's every single win. Like we always feel like we're trying to just get to a destination, but mm. that's not the point of it. That's actually not the point. What you'll find is that if you become world champion, your life's really not that much different. It was You'll realize that it was the journey getting there, the people you met and the connections you made and the experiences that you had and all the little wins along the way that make becoming world champion such a special and unique experience. Yeah. Because... Everyone just thinks that's, it's the That's the cherry. That's the cherry on the top yes. of the cake. This, the journey is the yeah. cake. Is the, it? the cherry by itself is just a cherry, yeah. you know? It is about soaking up all that stuff along the way. Yeah. Wow. What a good little insight to that, to living. I'm thinking about it now. I'm thinking I'm just going to celebrate going surf and come in and go, that was a good surf. Because yes. usually this is another problem that I find middle-aged men have, and you might see this with some of your clients. Once they've finished being a professional sportsman, they hold on to that identity. It's very hard to let go or they're always chasing that peak performance there. They do not know, and I call it point zero. They do not know how to go point zero and now I'm getting better from here. They're always like, I'm chasing this. I'm I'm getting back. I used to be that good. And they struggle for that for like six years in between and they become not nice people. I actually like the subject because... When I was younger, my whole dream in life was to ride at the Olympics on my horse. Like that's all I wanted to do. And so that's what I strived for such a long time was to go to the Olympics. And then after a few nasty falls and then my good horse died and just a series of events, I realized the fire had gone out in my belly and I actually didn't want that for myself anymore. And I had a real identity crisis because I had drawn Olympic rings inside my wardrobe when I was like four, you know? And so I didn't know who I if I'm not striving for this thing. Like, who am I outside of, like, I was Nikki the horse rider. I was Nikki the eventer or Nikki the show jumper or whatever. But who was I if I didn't want that anymore? Like, I still want to ride and I love competing and stuff, but it's not the same. The fire in my belly has gone out. Because to be an elite anything, you have to have, like, a burning desire for it. Like, it consumes you. And that's the only way that you can be the best. 
And so going through that, I literally went through an identity crisis for a year trying to go, well, how do I still have horses in my life and how do I still enjoy them? Because I don't want to not have them and I still love riding. But what happens when I get on my horse every day, but I'm not training to go somewhere? I'm just riding for the sake of riding. And it was such an experience to learn how to just do it just for joy. You know, it's a similar thing with I've watched some athletes as they've retired, they flounder a bit because they don't know who they are anymore. And it's like, that is not who you are. That's what you did. There's a difference. You know, if you come to accept that, you can find a fire in your belly for something else, or you can still go and train and do boxing, but you learn how to be present and learn how to appreciate your body and learn how it moves and how you get to stay fit and healthy while other people your age are sitting on the couch eating potato chips. There's a new way to find a new purpose. That's exactly right. And I found that with surfing because we surfed at a high level. I have that skill. I've been in the water since I was five. If I'm not surfing that good, I don't want to go off the surf. And you see a lot of old-time surfers go, nah, it's not four foot and pumping or six foot and pumping. I'm not going out. I'm not doing it. And they don't surf for two, three months. I've done it to myself. And I'm like, we should just be in the water, like enjoying riding the wave and and understanding that it's okay. This kid over there is banging an air reverse in front of you. Let him go. You don't need to better than that. But yeah. if you've got that little bit of competition in you, yeah. and surfing's a really weird sport because you're out there with your friends, but if a wave's coming, you're in competition, unless you, you know, <laughs> especially on the Gold Coast, yeah. if a wave's coming, you're in competition because there's so many surfers. But if you're at a different secluded destination, the Towies or that, and everything, everyone's in rotation, it's just, it's, it becomes fun. But, uh, yeah. So then it can become an experiment for you, right? Yes. So next time you're like, I feel like going surfing, but it's not pumping. Like, just explore how it feels to go out there when it's not pumping. Like, what other aspects and sensations can you feel when you go out there? You know, you can just be like, how many whales are out there at the moment? It's like insane. It's so awesome. How many sharks are swimming under your feet? These are murky waters. (laughs) No, just, I just figure if the whales are there, the sharks are not missing because aren't they whale food? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. You're one of those ones. I don't know. I don't know. It's scary. All right. Let's hone in on athletes. Let's bring it into athletes. This is, this is a good part because. Using the boys that we know, Joshy and Lockie, they are two completely different people. Lockie, stoic. Look at him. He's ready to kill someone at all stages, even when he is sleeping. You're looking at him. You're going to kill someone? Like left hand, right hand, overhand, bang. Joshy, skillful, trains, got character. He's got that in there, but he knows what he wants and he's not willing to let anyone get in his way over it. How do you see, and do those guys... Are they different in their diets and their food and their trainings? Are they different in how you look at them and get them to do their meditation or that compared to Lockie, who's very hard to break into? You've got to be in his circle 100%. Otherwise, you're not there. They are so different. And honestly, those two boys have been my greatest teacher because whilst I can read all the theory and do all the research and blah, 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 when you're actually dealing with very real human beings, it takes your coaching up to another level. And one of the things I first noticed about Lockie in particular is that he will do everything you tell him to, down to the letter, 100%. And I'd never had that before. My comfort zone was people who were a little messed up in the head and had lots of issues and just couldn't get themselves together. And so then I would work on them from a psychological point of view to get them to do what they needed to do to become the best version of themselves. Did that allow you room to make a couple of mistakes on the way? Oh, you mean with Lockie? No, like with with, with the other people. Because then you come to Lockie who's... Dot, dot, I, cross, T, yes, yep. ma'am. And then you can't make a mistake because if you've led him down the wrong path there, oh, it's yeah. like he's, hold on, I, you told me to do this. This is why I have loved and why I decided to sponsor them too because mm. 
of the way that they are, their approach to training and their approach to everything because I knew that they were going to push me as a coach and I want to be the best coach. And so the only way I can do that is to have challenges. Yeah, to have challenges. And you think that somebody who's not going to do the work is going to be challenging. But for me, that wasn't the case because that had been my bread and butter. So to come into an athlete that will just do absolutely everything, I'm like, how can I bring value to this person? How can I get 1% extra out of him all the time when he already does everything that I ask straight away? And so it really made me step up. It made me look into things closer and research harder and be more you know, a lot more structured and diligent. Just, with yeah, what, you what need. diligence yeah. the word? I have to be very diligent with Lockie, and so I think about it a lot. Probably think about him too much. Did not in that way, but I do. <laughs> I think about it a lot because I'm always like, oh, how can I just get just that little bit more out of him? How can I keep him at the forefront with his health? And how can we just get a little bit more energy out of him or whatever? And so I've gone down a rabbit hole that I wouldn't have gone down if I just had the people who were still just like, oh, yeah, I didn't, add, I forgot to track my food or I ate crap on the weekend, you know? That's kind of where it was at with him. And then, yes, as you say, like breaking in, like he, once you're in his circle, it's fine, but it did take me a, a while to get there. And so you coach somebody like him. I coached him very differently from how I coach Josh. Josh is really open and friendly straight from the get-go. It's very easy to have a conversation with him. But initially, in the initial earlier last year, it was a lot harder to, to sort of get him to do what I wanted him to do. I don't know if that was just because it was new for him or whether he didn't yet fully trust me. I'm not quite sure. You can tell me, Josh. But yeah, it was a little harder. So I understand that with Josh, sometimes I send him emojis of a peach with a leg and I'm like, this is me kicking you up the butt. Like I push him a little bit in some areas, but then in other areas now he's absolutely got it nailed. It's changed him. I can see his body changing. Now that he's up at that, he's doing those same things. Now it's challenging me again. I'm like, oh, now I have to be a lot more diligent with him and I have to step up. So how can I get another 1% out of Josh as well? But I have to coach them differently. Josh and I will have a lot more banter and laugh a lot more. And Lockie's like, right, let's go. You know, it's a very- We've wasted three seconds. (laughs) Four, five, what are we doing? Six. It's a very structured conversation. It's straight to the point down the line, which is good for me because I I love to maybe talk too much. That's why I like podcasts. (laughs) I like to chat. Um, So it's good because then it keeps me focused. And I'm just like, right, when I go in and I talk to somebody like Lockie, I have to be like, okay, here's the plan. And I have to be very switched on. And then with Josh, we can have a laugh and have a banter. And then we're like, right, let's get this done. And then he will do it. Both of them have pushed me to be a much better coach than if I'd never had the opportunity to work with them in the first place. It's so weird as an athlete, you just feel, oh yeah, there's nutrition coaches out there. Oh yeah, this is a coach for this. This is a coach for that. When you are being coached, you don't expect anything but other than this is the best person for this job. That You don't realize that There's a lot of work in the background to understanding these things. It's so easy to be an athlete. I always say that. It's so easy to be an athlete. Tell me what to do. Yep. 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 Okay. I'll go do that. No worries. And if you've got a strong mentality and you're good at that and not saying everyone has that strong mentality, that's what separates the best from the best. But the prep work that goes into teaching you to learn those skills, and this is why coaches are old and you don't see any 20-year-old coaches in the NRL or anything like that, because it is legitimately a life lesson getting you there. There is so much yeah. that you need to understand to then bring it forward. 
If I can ask you another question, what would be the difference between we know horse racing, we know jockeys, we know their efforts are 60 seconds for a 1,000-meter race, two minutes for a 2,000-meter race, compared to, say, marathon runners, which are two and a half hours, two hours, elite guys in the hours, to high-intensity boxers, you know, heart rate through the roof, trying to control it, a flurry of that, bringing it back down, three-minute rounds. Is there a big difference in how you approach food? Is there a big difference in how you approach the meditation through it? Personally, I think for combat athletes, especially MMA, I think that's probably one of the most high-intensity sports you could possibly ever imagine. So there's a lot going on for them. This is probably a little bit for marathon runners too in terms of their gut health. Like it very much degrades the stress of the training alone. It very much degrades the integrity of the gut. So you have to be very mindful of that. I think with jockeys, look, when I was working with jockeys, I hadn't yet done blood work. So I'm only really making an assumption, but their lifestyle would probably not be great for them either Mm. because there was a lot of like smoking cigarettes, diet Cokes, that kind of thing, which is just horrific because the way that they have to live is, it's just insane and it's not healthy for a lot of them obviously the bigger guys especially. But I think with fighting, it's such a technical thing. There's so much to learn and there's so many many moving parts. And then not only do you have to make weight, so obviously a marathon runner doesn't have to weigh themselves to qualify for a run. They have to qualify for the weight before they fight. And then they have to walk in there and be their most energetic selves. They have to perform. And so you need them to be switched on mentally and physically as well. And if they're thinking about anything else, they're not going to perform the way that they need to. And so the way that I look at it when I'm working with them is I'm thinking to myself, what can I take away from them off their plate so that they don't have to think about it? So literally, I just map out everything to take all the brain work out of it. Whereas a jockey, you can watch them. Sometimes they'll get off the horse and they'll nearly faint. Yeah. It doesn't matter. They just got to sit there. It's hard. I know because I've ridden race horses. Like <laughs> someone who's never ridden a horse will think you just sit there and do nothing, but it's very hard. Not. Yeah. It's really hard. To- toes in the irons, Oof. like not heels, not feet. Most of them ride with toes in the irons yep. and they're sitting there. And the and horse is strong just, oh, and they've got these very specific instructions from the trainers. Yep. I want you to put the horse here. And then they, trying to pull them underneath you, yeah, grabbing more rain and hold them back. Yeah. It's 680 it's kilos and you're 40 or 55 yeah. kilos. Yeah. Like. And then they might jump out of the barrier and miss their start. And then the, they're thinking, I'm trying to keep these instructions from the trainer's head in their mind while they're trying to navigate all these galloping, crazy three year olds. It's, it's just, it's insane. It's yeah. insane. But like coming back to combat athletes in particular, it's just, there's a lot of moving parts to make sure that they peak at just the right moment whilst Mm. also making weight. And so one of the things that I worked on, in particular, I worked on with Josh was getting his calories up. So now he's eating, he used to have to eat like very little food to to drop weight because he was already under eating. And now he eats so much food. He doesn't have to ever worry about being hungry. And he's not that far from fight weight all the time, but he's eating way more food. And there's, there is a technique to be able to do that. And it is that does come down to understanding the person and understanding how they work and the foods that they like and they don't like and, you know, making sure that they've got good gut health so that they can process that food really well and all of that stuff. And I guess it comes down to 
like it just back down to those good decisions, doesn't it? With food, if you want to under eat, the main reason why you're under eating is because you're doing five days of good under eating. Let's call it good under eating for the sake of it, and you're doing two days of crap. Yeah. Of chips, of alcohol, of Saturday and Sunday. And then you're like, oh, I've got to reduce my calories again and bring it back down here. If you eliminate those two days, these five days aren't no longer hard work because your calories can go up. You can eat the right foods, but you can't calorie up, eat the right foods all these days and have your cake and eat it. Can 100%. You? That's where people go wrong. Our society is work so hard, relax, drink. and Oh, the mentality is I deserve it. Yes. I worked hard all week. I deserve it. Yeah. And it's like, no, you deserve to be healthy. Yeah, that's right. That's what you deserve. You don't deserve to put chemicals in your body and undo all your hard work that you just did. You deserve to be really healthy. Someone tells me that they feel better after doing that, like the next day. Every time, oh, I feel so shit after eating that. Yeah. Oh, why did I do that? Oh, I'm hungover. Yeah. Oh. I always used to say Sunday's progress day. So if I got those six days out of the way, I knew if I could get Sunday out of the way, I'm perfect. That's my week done, reset, let's go again. Sunday is progress day. You can either make or break your week on Sunday. 100%. But it also comes down to like, I always say like people try to use willpower. They try to maybe willpower themselves through that Sunday. And I know because I used to do it. I'd get to Friday and be like, no, no, come on, you can get, you can do it, you can do it. Saturday was a little bit tricky. It was getting a little bit shaky on Saturday. Sunday, oh my God, can't do this anymore. And maybe you might maintain it for a few weeks and then on the Sunday, you'll just like lose your mind. And so it's like if you're eating enough food seven days a week, there is room in there to have a treat. I really love chocolate, but I don't crave it anymore. I used to eat a king-size block of chocolate every single day, and that was why I was nearly 100 kilos. But you sort these other issues out, and then you have chocolate because you choose to have chocolate, not because you're craving chocolate, and that's the difference. And then now when I have chocolate, I only have a little bit. I don't eat a whole king-size block. And then it doesn't destroy my diet and it doesn't undo all the hard work that I've done. And you can have a little bit of a treat every day and that's fine if the rest of your diet, you're eating enough and you're nourishing your body and you've got everything else nailed, then you can have a treat when you want it and not because your body's like screaming for it. And I think a lot of people think they need that treat because mentally they want it as well. It's not just the physical craving. It's like, oh my God, I really need to like break free of this quote diet. I do it now. I leave because I work here, office here, podcast here. I have to leave. I have to go. So at lunch or something like that, I'll go down the road to the pub or something, just get a steak and sit in the sun just because I have to get out of here. And nine times out of 10, I'm not even hungry. It's just the, I need to, the mentality of go do something. Let's throw in food because Mm. that's part of our society. Like I should find a way just to sit there, enjoy and work in the sun. Like, and just add in something else, like a small soda water. Bringing back down to... Let's give people a little bit of an insight into, we speak about your gut going wrong, marathons affecting your gut when you're doing your running, boxers and and fighters doing so much training that it's affecting their gut. What do we now know about gut health and the levels that it needs to be at and the food's intake? Like, How does that work? A lot of it is like the stress and the intensity of training. So there's some things you can do to protect your gut before it even becomes an issue. Mm. If you're already training hard and you've already got gut issues, then you probably need help to repair it. I wouldn't just go out and just blatantly do it because you want to know exactly what's wrong because obviously there's different things that can go wrong around like gut dysbiosis, which is just basically saying the gut microbiomes are out of balance. Good bacteria, bad bacteria can just get out of whack, especially if you've had surgery or antibiotics. And not even just recently, you know, 
you could have had like a bunch of antibiotics a few years ago and now it's affected really? you over time. Absolutely. So if, if you've had more than like sort of four or five courses of antibiotics in your lifetime, then that can have an impact on your gut. Yeah. yeah. So you don't want to be taking antibiotics unless you really need to. And then if you do know you're going to take antibiotics, there are things that you can do to minimize the damage to protect yourself whilst you're taking the antibiotics. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, I, I, I sort of did. I knew it yeah. did damage, but not to that yeah. level that yeah. it could hang about for a couple of years, you know. You well, basically, if you don't fix it, it's not really going to change. Like you think like we are walking organisms, you know, like there are more organisms in and on our body than there are cells in our body, you know. And so when you think about your gut and the majority of your immune cells are in your small intestine. So if your gut health is not right, it's little wonder if you pick up every bug going around as well. And I noticed that with fighters, like towards the end of a fight camp, they'll get sick and it'll come down to one of two things. I just had Finn ask him, yeah? Iron Man, chasing down Ali Day. He said those exact words. I get, because they do miles on the skis, miles on the boards, miles on that. And then he goes, just before race week, when I started to taper down, I felt like I was getting sick. So I tripled down on the double C and I tripled down on all these multivitamins and that's exactly what it is, yeah. what you just said, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, because there's all the stuff happening inside the gut that needs to be protected while you're training at that level. And then there's a lot of stuff going on that can really impact. It's really common that they actually call it fighter's flu because it's so common that if they're not on the wind down, on the taper yes. or the week after, yeah. it's like they get sick. Yes, it's either those couple of weeks before the fight or it's the week after the fight. I just got married. So much stress coming into it with work, so much stress organizing a wedding. It was insane what had to happen. Thursday, let my hair down. Friday, best day. Saturday, got married. How good. Sunday, recovery session. Monday, checked into the jewel because we hadn't had a honeymoon booked. So let's go there for three, four nights. Monday night, crook as a dog. Yep. Broken, gone, didn't move out of the jewel. <laughs> had to apologize to Ellie. Sorry, I can't go down in the pool. I got sick, I swear to God, for 12 days. Is that all the stress? Is that ranging from guard? 100% that's going to impact it. You mm -hmm. know, like you're going to be susceptible to getting sick if you've had that kind of stress. So many people even say, oh, every time I have a holiday, I get sick. Why? Because you finally relax and you've come down and then you get sick. Where? But this is why. I'm really passionate about stress management, whether you're just an everyday person, a business person, or an elite athlete, stress management and sleep have to be at the top. That is at the top of the food chain. And then obviously food and then all the other stuff after that, you know, managing your stress. If you're like, I can foresee that this period of my life is going to be very stressful. So for fighters, it's going to be, I'm in fight camp. So I've got to manage my stress. That means eliminate or deal with anything that is going to impact your state of mind. And it also comes down to perception. One person can have the busiest life, never feel stressed because their perception of it is a one of gratitude and they just are just like, oh, I'm so lucky to be this busy. This is amazing. And then other people are like, oh my God, I've got so much to do. And oh, you know, yeah. so it does come down to perception and that perception impacts the way the stress is put into the body. Wow. So what's something that someone like just a, an average person at home could do if they know they're feeling bloated in their gut? Just what foods would you send them towards to? Just a yeah. reset. Like I know the Huberman podcast always talks about just getting some fermented vegetables. And that basically is what you were talking about 
with the gut microbiome, the good bacteria, bad bacteria, the acidic level in your thing, that would just raise it a little bit, wouldn't it? Yeah. Or- so my first port of call for anybody who is feeling like yucky in their stomach and they're getting bloated all the time is go gluten-free straight away. Yes. Because 100 years ago, our body could handle it fine, but it's not the same. It, the wheat's hybridized and it's sprayed and the soil is rubbish and there's just a lot going on with our food now that we are very unaware of. And our body, you think about how long evolution takes, like the stuff that's happened to our food has happened in 50 to 100 years. Like it's very quick and yeah. our bodies haven't adapted to that yet. So yeah. We've gone from the Scottish lamb stew, potatoes and eating that to high carbohydrates. McDonald's. Um, McDonald's, yeah, breads or, you know, and like you said, everyone, when I was growing up, you had a sandwich. Oh, lunch. yeah. That, that was it. You took yeah. a sandwich for lunch. That, white white bread. White bread, yeah. <laughs> and then we're like, oh, we need to eat wholemeal and then we find out that's not much better. No, you know what no, I mean? So that's it. Well, if you actually look at the ingredients on the back of a bread packet, it's quite horrific. There's vegetable oils in there and all sorts. Oh. So I would just, so my advice to most people would be just trial gluten-free and by gluten-free, I mean like really gluten-free, not Coles biscuits that's um, pagan on Coles, poor Coles. They're not Coles biscuits that say, hi, I'm gluten-free biscuits. Like, Because if you read the ingredients, there's a lot of other garbage in there to make it taste good. Just eat real food and go gluten-free. You need to do it for at least three months. You can't mm, just okay. do it for a couple of weeks and go, oh, it's not working. Like It can take anywhere up to 12 weeks to come out, to get it all out of your body and then hides them in sneaky places like soy sauce and crackers and stuff like that. So you Mm. sort of have to be aware. But if you're actually eating very real food, like you can hunt, gather and fish it, it's not going to have gluten in it anyway. So it's very easy to eat gluten-free if you're just eating real food and you're Mm. not eating out of a packet. So that would be my first thing. And then it is coming down to the basics as well, like, grounding and sunshine and those sorts of things grounding what's grounding okay so grounding and i love this because it's got it's a little bit woo woo but it's got science to back it up so i get a bit excited about it when it has the science to back it up yes so grounding is literally getting bare feet on the earth so they're showing that the especially the sea like the beach they're showing that the negative ions actually impact the cells in your body yes it's like recharging a battery from what i understand literally literally recharging a battery And so this is like, it's such a great thing. This is something you can do as part of your stress management plan is that if you're having a day where you feel really stressed and you're thinking, I need to get out of the house, instead of going down to the pub and getting a steak, just go walk along the beach. Yes. That's it. Just walk along the beach and then have something to eat when you get back or have even better eat before you go because 10 minutes of walking after you eat can help regulate your blood sugar levels. So if you are having those moments of feeling like you want something sweet, like you have something to eat and you're like, oh, I need something sweet after, go for a walk and it'll help regulate your blood sugar. And then if you're walking along the beach, then you're grounding and this is all going to help with lowering those stress levels and stuff as well. They speak about that. I had a little insight into it because when it first came out, it was all woo. Yeah. uh, Yeah, you're grounded. Look at this. Look at the hippies grounding. (laughs) There's so much in it. I can't wait to get my shoes off every day. Look, because we translated into this generation where shoes when we run, wear shoes to the gym, we have to wear shoes in shops, we have to wear shoes in here, nothing. And this is where dogs come into it as well. Dogs are exactly like grounding. They go out, they recharge, they get it, they attach themselves to the earth, they bring it back and then you're attaching themselves to you. This is why humans love dogs. If you're not a dog person, you're crazy. <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> don't trust not. a person who yeah, doesn't like dogs. That's right. Don't, yeah. 
and you can feel it. How de-stressed are you when you're sitting there just patting your dog who's been outside all day yeah. and all that, apart from the, when they've rolled in something? Hey, maybe chickens are the same. I was talking to my friend the other day saying I find chickens really relaxing. There <laughs> you go. Chickens are the same. They're outside, they're grounding. Like they're legit around. doing that. And <laughs> to a point of trees, touching trees and getting their energy and all that from there. And it's so good now because when if you spoke about this five years ago, I'd be, everyone would be laughing yeah. at you. Now you're yeah. like, check this out. Look, watch, have a look at this. There's so much that we still don't understand. Yeah, about and I love that. Body. I love that humans are always trying to like, how can we be better? And it's like just trying to get more and more out of ourselves and more out of our bodies and understanding ourselves more. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that either. No, not at all. Yeah. Lastly, well, not lastly, if you want to keep going, but for me, we've said the word about 20 times on this podcast now, blood work. What are the first things that you look at in blood work to help people understand? Because most people would get it and go, What's this? What's the IRB three seven two one? Oh yeah, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Okay, so yeah. Okay. So what's some markers or what's some things that you see in blood work that you would, you know, you'd go, okay, that's a little bit off. I'm going to do this to rectify it. That one's way too high or way too low. We're going to introduce this to rectify. Yeah. What's the main? Well, company? it's not that simple because everything has to be looked at in context. So okay. there is just so many variations of markers that you put together to tell a story about what's happening with the person's body. And the other thing that I do is I have like a symptoms assessment. So I look at all your symptoms and put them together with the blood work as opposed to just looking at blood work. And then, you know, I think one of the key points to understand too is that I look at blood work from a functional point of view, not a conventional. So if you go to a doctor and you get your bloods done, they will look at it in what's called conventional ranges. So every lab has its own ranges and they're based on the most common population right? Who goes and gets their bloods done the most? Old people and sick people. So there are your ranges. Those are your ranges, right? So functional ranges is based around optimal health. It's like, what are the best ranges, for example, for iron, that's going to mean that you are in the healthiest place possible. And then it's understanding, you know, not just going to look at iron in a, like with a magnifying glass, you're going to look at iron, ferritin, saturation, all of that, because that tells a story. Maybe you're not getting enough iron or maybe you're getting it and it's not actually, it's just like floating around in the body and not being absorbed or there's so many different things to look at. I would say that, first of all, I think blood work is like extremely complex. It's not something that I have just naturally gone, oh my God, this is so easy and this is really, yeah. like, it's extraordinarily complex. I have a mentor who I run everything by because yeah. It's a very, very complex area and it's something I'm still learning. So unfortunately for him, he's going to be my mentor for a really long time <laughs> because he's also he's like a walking encyclopedia. So yeah. that's where I've had to, you know, this is where I have increased my game as well by taking on a mentor and because I want to learn this stuff and I want to learn it well and I don't want to send people off in the wrong direction. I don't want to claim to know things that I don't yeah. know. So for me, it's still a long process. I'll get the blood work in and I'm starting to understand like, oh, here's some key markers that are looking a little funky. You know, for example, in fighters, we quite often see neutrophils low. So neutrophils are a type of white blood cell and often they're quite low, which is telling us that there's like some, some chronic inflammation going on, which is then usually telling us together with some other markers that there's gut permeability because it's very common in fighters because of the intensity of the sport. And then it's looking at things like another thing that's really common for male fighters is testosterone is really low. So then you've got to put it together with other markers. Are they getting enough 
of the thing that needs to convert into testosterone or are they getting enough but it's not converting? Like those are the stories that the bloods are telling you together with symptoms. Like the symptom assessment is very important for understanding what's actually manifesting in the body. Like sometimes the bloods look a little funky but there's like no symptoms and then you'll just be like, oh, well, we're not going to go doing too much to you because right now it actually doesn't look like it's that bad. With Lockie, he was by far the, I got his and I was just like, I've never seen anything like it. There's literally nothing wrong with him. Like no symptoms. I don't even think he, I'm not even sure if he ticked one thing. Maybe he ticked one thing out of like, you know, 50 things. And then his bloods were phenomenal. He's a freak. He's a freak. He's a freak. He's a freak. Yeah. <laughs> so he's a freak. But then what we do is like every six months, then we revisit it. And then we were just like, oh, your neutrophils have dropped a little bit. So we're just going to add a little bit of extra of this and this and just to make sure that we're still protecting the integrity of your gut. Because obviously he went from when I first did his bloods, he was amateur and then he's gone to pro and it's a different level. But he's still like to this day, those are the best I've ever seen. And so that's kind of what we're aiming for is optimal health. And if you get somebody with optimal health, we're like, cool, we need to keep you there. And then if you get somebody who's like an absolute schmozzle, then we're like, okay, we need to get you to optimal health because how can you perform when, you know, your testosterone's really low and you're, you've got gut permeability and you've got all these symptoms and you're not sleeping properly? There's no way you're going to be able to perform as a professional athlete when it looks like this. But so many people think that the symptoms they have are normal. Like how many guys walk around and they fart and they're just like, oh, it's cool, it's normal. It's actually not normal. Like it's actually not okay to be burping and farting and bloated and lots of people like, oh, I can't eat this, this and this because it affects me. That's a little red flag in itself if you're starting to get to the point where there's a whole list of things that you can't eat because it sets you off. Have you ever seen someone, I used to be able to eat all that, okay? Have you ever heard this story? I used to be able to eat all that. Mm I went to the ketosis diet, lost a bunch of weight. Then if I, I got to Christmas, I had one meal, I was sick for like three, four days. Went back into, like maybe drifted out of it for a bit, went back to it. Now I really struggle with anything else other than meats yeah. and carbohydrates. Does your body adapt is what the question is. Does it change as you change your food? I mean, they always say you are what you eat, but do you see like a long-term, like you can actually, if I started eating carbohydrates now, base my whole diet around protein, carbs, a little bit of fats instead of protein, fats. Would my body adapt to that over time? Yeah, I do think so, but it just, it's a tricky one because sometimes if you've introduced a different way of eating and then, or some foods that you had previously eliminated and then you have a reaction, are you having a reaction to one of those foods or all of them? Because this is a mistake often people make is they've eliminated all these foods for health or weight loss or whatever, and then all in one week, they'll reintroduce everything. And so you don't really know, are you, have you re, is it one thing that set you off? Are you having a reaction to one thing or are you having a reaction to everything? So whenever you're reintroducing food, you should just reintroduce something, wait a few days, reintroduce something else, wait a few days. Like you shouldn't just completely reintroduce everything all at once. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. I just always, you know, fascinated over that because I don't feel like I could ever go back. To eating that other way. So you were eating keto and you feel like you can't or you no, no, no. carbs? No, no, no. I was eating carbohydrate, like rugby league, like steaks, carbs, food, yeah. as much as you can, get big, carbs for fuel, everything like but that. But like I said before, remember your body changes as you get older. Yeah, so the way okay. that you're yep. training now will be vastly different vastly. from how you trained when you did rugby league. And so your body probably just doesn't have the need for those for carbohydrates. Those. Ah. And so it would 
definitely have a different reaction, you know, like yes. with the fighters, we're timing their carbs very specifically as yep. well so that they get utilized in a way that's going to help them with recovery. Efficiency. And, yeah, efficiency, yes. exactly. Yeah, efficiency. Yeah. And they need that short-term burst and carbs are the best way to get that in. Yeah. Like you can't, hey, I'm going on a fight in 45 minutes or two hours or something like that. You can't skull some coconut oil and go, give me energy. Yeah, yeah. Nah. 12 hours later, I you're like, oh. yeah. definitely don't recommend keto for fighters. Like that is a very bad idea. I don't care what anybody says. Like training load is huge. Look, I might, huge. I might suggest them to reduce their carbohydrates while they're taking it easy because they don't exactly what yes. you just said with me and rugby league. They don't need it. Yeah. But that's specific to what they're doing. If they're an elite athlete training and training, those boys train six, seven days a week, they definitely need that. And this is the whole villain and social media and everything yeah. like that. Block it veganism, out. Block it yeah, out. veganism, oh, carbs are bad, carnivore, I salad think if, I personally think if anyone's telling you food, some kind of food is bad and it's real food, don't follow them because everybody's body is different. Everyone's needs are different. Everyone is training in a different way. I eat similar calories to those boys, but I don't eat that many carbs because yes. I would just get really fat really quick. Because I don't train with that intensity twice a day, six days a week. So you have to understand like the purpose of why you're eating the way that you're eating. You can't just eat a certain way because Margaret down the road told you to, right? Because mm. she looks great. You know, like everybody is so different. It's finding what works for you. And that's exactly what people do. Yeah. Oh, Margie's looking great. <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, I'm doing fasting. <laughs> I had that. I had my, um, when I blew out and ugh, I just threw the towel in, essentially went party and drank too many beers and got huge. And then I was like, had it in me. No, I'm not going to do that. And lost all this weight in a very quick time. And my inbox just went, what did you do? Yep. And I'm sort of like, oh, I don't really want to tell half these people yeah. unless they looked like what I was. And I was like, all right, you can have the information because you need this information. But yep. the ones that had 10 extra kilos or something like that, I'm like, I'm not, oh, look, you just got to look into it yourself because it wasn't right for them. You could yeah. see straight out of the game. But that is how everyone gets their 20 seconds worth it. We do it with reels on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people will watch this in segments. They will not do it, but they will watch a lot of our reels in these 20 second to 60 second formats. And that's yeah. where the information comes from. Hold on. Don't do dumb shit. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Hold on. Nikki said this one there. I was like, yeah, yeah but you got to watch the other three reels coming on that. It might not suit you right now. Don't follow and those And I think boys. that's why it's so important. If you actually really want to improve your health and you really want to lose weight or get ready for a fight or anything, you need to have somebody who can objectively look at you and get, provide you with the information that has been well-researched. Yes. I think that there's your first segment, right? Like Bye. don't just Google stuff. Don't ask Sally down the road. Don't just go, oh, I heard intermittent fasting can help you lose weight. Because if you do any of those things, without a full understanding of why you're doing them, you will probably damage your health. Intermittent fasting is a perfect one. So many people do it because they heard it helps you lose weight. And initially it really does. But why? Because you're not eating as much. But if you keep doing it, you'll keep not eating enough. And you can't keep eating less and less and less and less forever or you'll end up just a fresh Aryan yeah. and you'll be very unhealthy. Very right? unhealthy, yeah. And at some point your body's going to go into famine mode and it's, everything's going to slow down. Yeah. So you've got to just understand why you're doing anything. Yeah. You know, like and combined it when we started this podcast, you said one plus one, this equals that the domino yes. effect. You can do inter intermediate fasting, but you need to have your stress in line and you need to have this in line. And then you need to have this certain amount of calories before you train at the end of the day. 
Yeah. I would never give intermittent fasting to someone who's got adrenal issues. And a lot of combat athletes have adrenal issues because of the stress of training. Or even like, you know, I've had clients who are just mums and they have adrenal issues because they're so stressed. They're trying to juggle a job and kids and finances and everything else. Their adrenals are fried because I've seen their symptoms assessment. So that is telling me straight away that their adrenals are fried. I'm not going to give them intermittent fasting to lose weight. That is the last thing that they need and it's going to damage them further. But the ad on Facebook says yes. Yeah. Download Do my you want to lose, yeah, seven ninety nine. <laughs> Let's go. Intermittent yeah. fasting. Lose five kgs. Yeah. Yeah. And look, oh, we're not bagging intermittent fasting because there are no. many, many benefits of putting your body into that starvation 100%. mode and it yep. resets and releases all these different chemicals as well. So once again, you have to do your research and you have to combine yep. it. It's funny because people will spend $50 on a carton, but they will not spend $50 on getting advice on what they should be doing. I found that with Oztag. We'd play Oztag, cost $90 for a season, 10 bucks a game, yeah, something stupid like that, or 110 bucks or something. And the boys, round nine, still hadn't paid their fees. And I'm like, boys, this is, the, you, this is fun for you? Is it not fun? Pay this first, then go buy a carton or a meat pie for Smoko. Mm-hmm. Like, there's certain things in my book that you pay first and then you worry about everything else yeah. like that. Like I can't buy a TV or sunglasses because my brother's the uh, Oakley sunglass rep. They have no value, intrinsic value to me. But something like this, I'd be young. Anyone out there, pay for this first, understand yeah. it. Just tip your toe into it because it's a journey for everyone. Once you understand mm. this one thing, you get to change one, you'll learn about the next. Yeah. And then you'll be able to retain all this information. And this is what I actually say to people too. And so I'm like, I'm not, my job is not to, but apart from if you're like, if I'm in your corner because you are an athlete and you need my help to get to fight, yes. that's different. But for people who are just trying to improve their health and just trying to get healthy, I always say, I know I've done my job well when you don't need me anymore. So I don't take it personally or get really upset when somebody sends me a message and goes, hey, I don't need you anymore. I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. That's a win. That is amazing. Yes. If you need me forever, I've made you dependent on me. You're, you're externalizing your health to someone. And that's what a lot of people do. They look to coaches or doctors or they're constantly outsourcing their health to other people and my goal is always to empower you so that you can one day wake up and go I actually don't need her anymore I've got everything I need to be healthy for the rest of my life and every time I start to see a red flag because I'm so aware now I know exactly how to deal with it that's right yeah that's a great way because you're not a pharmaceutical company we're not relying on you and if we are then you're doing your job wrong there should yeah. be massive red flags there. That's why yeah. you don't trust pharmaceuticals. But it's not a crash course. It's not a, hey, buy my eight-week course. Here's a book. Read it. Figure it. Come see Nikki. Let's go on this journey. I will transfer this information as quick or as slow as you get it. And then if you need to revise, let's go do that. Let's go do that. And then yeah. let's go on this journey together. I think we'll end it there. Yeah. You happy with that? You know what? Have you got room for one more client? Bring me on. Oh, done. <laughs> bring me on. Let's see. And I'll bring everyone back the results on the podcast as well. Like I said, I've had Hannah, the genetics coach on, so I got to understand my body type and frame a bit more. If I can understand your expertise in this and food and the holistic approach, which I sort of get, so I should be easy to coach. Are you as good to coach as Lockie though? That's the question. <laughs> I'm pretty good coachable. I like it because I do a lot of my, I'm actually, it's weird with those businessmen and all that what I've always been. I've been an athlete and been coached, but. 99% of my time now is thinking for everyone else. Mm. So I actually love being told what to do. It's weird. There's like a full range of like CEOs and all that. That's why they go do weird stuff on the weekends yeah. because it's that whole, I mean, like a lot of people trust me with their lives. I'm organizing a company of like 30 
they're dependent on me to have it functioning well to pay their rent and all that. When I get someone to tell me what to do, it's just like a, I don't have to think. Yeah. Don't have to think. And I do this with Ellie. I was like, Ellie asked me something. I was like, you playing the wife card here? Because I know you know how to do that because I'm standing next to you. Okay, I'll come do it. It is nice sometimes just to be told what to do. But then, like I said, like my thing is to then empower you so that, yes, I'm telling you what to do, but it's also an invitation. It's always on you. I say I'm like the guide, you know, I'm like a Sherpa. I'm going to show you the way, but you still have to do the work. Yeah, that's right. You know, like no coach has got a magic pill. No No. coach is going to solve all your problems. You have to turn up. You have to do the work. You have to want to change. And if you do and you have the right person, they're going to empower you so that one day you can fire them. That's my goal is that I help you so well and so deeply that one day you get to turn around to me with a smile on your face and fire me. And that's like, I'm like, sweet, job done. That right there (laughs) is our opening line, ladies and gentlemen, for this podcast. I guarantee you (laughs) that's going out there. Everything That's perfect. Uh, Nikki, thank you so much once again and look forward to having you back on. Thank you for having me. Woo! (laughs) Wow, that was the Any Given Chance podcast. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Now, if you want to see some more action, head over to our socials and give us a like, share, and subscribe. We're on YouTube at the Any Given Chance Podcast and on Instagram and TikTok at Any Given Chance. And if you can hit share and subscribe, we much appreciate it as we grow. Plus, we're always looking for new guests. So if you know someone in the midst of it battling a good little bit of adversity or someone who's been successful, message us direct. We always check out your box. And of course, if you want to check out old episodes, repurposed ones, you can jump over to our website, which is anygivenchancepodcast.org. Thanks for joining us once again. I'm your host, 3AM365, Maddie Menion. No days off, no excuses, and I can't wait to catch you on the next one.